0: this morning I want to continue our our series. We've been talking about this issue of being transformed, right? That we're not supposed to conform to the patterns of this world, but instead we're supposed to be transformed. We're we're to live this transformational life. We've talked about the, the reality that God wants to bring breakthrough into your existence. Last Sunday, we, we looked at the, the time, that the moment, the interaction that Jesus had with Bartimaeus and, and how that brought this amazing transformation in his life. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about doubt, right? That knowledge and doubt are inseparable. That Martin Luther was correct when he said this, only God and certain madmen have no doubts. And, and God uses doubts to draw us to him, to, to deepen our faith, that, to help us in becoming all that we can be and all that he desires for us to be. We we explored the truth that it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that allows us to live this transformed life. This morning, I want to talk to you about what I believe is one of the great enemies to living transformed. For all of us, whether you're a a skeptic, a seeker, or a a committed Christ follower. I'm I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that, that this one's a biggie for the committed Christ followers. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to Luke, the 10th chapter. And as, as you're turning there, I want to ask a question. I want to take a, want to take a quick poll. Uh, how many of you here, you walked in today and you would say, I have too much money. Raise your hand. Okay. How about this? Man, I've got so much time on my hands, I don't know what to do with it all. Raise your hand. Okay. I, I, seriously, I'm... I'm I am overwhelmed by the number of relationships that I have and the, and the resources that I have. I just have, I have way more than enough. Anybody, anybody struggling with that where you've got way more than enough? Okay, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you here, your schedule leaves you overwhelmed? How many of you here, uh, your finances leave you completely stressed out? How, how many of you here, you feel like, you are consistently, you're just burning the candle at both ends, and, and you're looking for the pause button for life. If that's you, I want you to know, number one, you're not alone. I want you to know, number two, that you're in the right place. I want you to know, number three, that God has a great prescription for where you're at and where God wants you to be. Father, I thank you for these moments, I thank You for the opportunity that we have to spend this time in Your presence. I thank You that we can take a little bit of time and consider Your Word. God, let Your Word today, let it be a lamp to our feet, let it be a light to our path. Help us to hide Your Word in our hearts, that we might not sin against You. We, we commit these moments to You, in Jesus' name, amen. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus... And his disciples, they are traveling, and as they're going through Bethany, it doesn't tell us in Luke 10 that that's where they are, but but we know this that they're going uh, to the home of of Martha, and and Martha lives in Bethany, and so as Jesus and his disciples as they're in Bethany, Martha invites Jesus to come uh, and 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 stay at her home, and Jesus and and his. And his disciples. And, and it says this in, in, in verse number 41. It, it says that, that Jesus, in responding to Martha, he said, You are worried and upset about many things. Now, for some of us here today, we can resonate with this scripture. We are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. In reality, only one. You are worried and upset about many things. When Jody and I got married, uh, someone gave us this, this wall plaque. And uh, for many years it, it hung in our living room. And it said this, it said, slow me down, Lord. I'm going too fast. I, I can't see my brother as he goes past. I miss a lot of good things day by day. I don't know blessings When they come my way. Slow me down, Lord, so I can see more of the things uh, that are that are good for me. Just went on and and it it concluded, it said this: slow me down, Lord, to a walk. I have these I have these sayings that I say, things that I uh, that I repeat regularly, and one of them. And if you've been around, you've heard me say this, that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And, and the, the Christian culture, we're really good at busy. And In fact, uh, let, me, let me just offer this to you. This is just kind of a free bonus. Uh, this is a church where there's an awful lot of activity. And it can be easy for you to feel like you need to be connected to everything that's happening at Calvary. And, in fact, you can feel guilty if you're not at everything that happens here. But the ministry offerings at Calvary, it's, it, we consider it a ministry buffet. Okay? And there, there are certain things that will, that will connect with you, that will resonate with you, that will, that will, that will be uh, pleasing to your appetite. Okay? We don't expect you to take everything on the buffet. All right? Uh, just as when you go to lunch today, if you go to a buffet, uh, it's great to pick out the things that you like, to pick out the things that connect with you, to pick out the things that are going to be nourishing to you. It's not a good thing to eat everything on the buffet. Let me say that again. As a person that sometimes is stuck behind you, it's not a good thing to eat everything on the buffet. But but sometimes we feel pressured to do that, don't we? Especially in Especially in the church world, especially in this hyper-competitive—and we've talked about this the last few weeks—this hyper-competitive church world that we live in, where we're aspiring to be the better, better Christian than the next person. It's it's easy for us to do that, and and as a result, what we do is we feel like we're living the life of an air traffic controller out of control, right? And light, all, we've got just all these things that we're responsible for, and all these things in the air, and 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 but trying to trying to make sure, trying to manage that. Uh, it's it's absolutely. Um, overwhelming to us. And it's not the life that God wants us to live. As a result, as a result of of where we're at, um, we are the most stressed out generation in history. So I want to talk with you this morning about adding margin, adding margin. Now, I know that a lot of you um, are, are use electronic Bibles, but if you go back to go back to, to the days of print, okay, you guys, remember these books? Anybody familiar with one of these? Yeah, kind of cool, right? Have you ever noticed in books there's these white spaces, right? Margin. Now they tell us in the printing industry that those white spaces are important. Have you ever picked up a book that had no margins? I remember a. Uh, uh, in, in 1988, there was a book, "88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 1988." Anybody buy that book? Anybody willing to admit that you bought that book? Right? Then the guy who wrote that book came out with a book the next year, "89 Reasons Why Jesus Was Going to Return in 1989." Did not sell nearly as well. Uh, but that book, uh, the gentleman who wrote it, he wrote it was there was no margins and it was all capital letters. It was one of it was one of the most challenging books uh, to to even look at, much less read. There's a reason that. When, when publishers, when they publish a book, there's a reason why they will have margins. That white space is important because it gives your eyes a place to rest. You were designed, both physically and spiritually, you were designed with not just the capacity, but the necessity for rest. It's the reason why God in designing the world system in the creation process why God established this principle of the Sabbath, okay? And so you were designed, the way that you were designed, both physically, emotionally, spiritually, you were designed with not just the capacity, but you were designed with a need, the necessity for rest. And so that's the reason why I'm convinced that if the devil can't make you bad, he will make you busy because fatigue makes cowards out of all of us. Margin, what it is, margin is the space beyond what's needed. It's the amount available beyond that which is necessary. The amount available beyond which is necessary. Jesus said in John chapter 10, He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. Right? We oftentimes hear in church the scripture quoted, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper. Okay? That word abundance, that word prosper. And we can connect with that. I can do all things... Through Christ, who strengthens me. I, 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 I want to I help you, I, I want to hopefully give you a different perspective of what Paul said there. "I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me." It doesn't say, "I should do all things." It doesn't say, "I must do all things." It says, "I can do all things." And it is God's design that you live a life, not just of survival and not just of success. See, God has called you to an identity of significance. Let me say this again. God has called you to an identity of significance and our hurried pace, our overloaded schedule And our over-leveraged resources rob us of living that life of abundance and rob us of that position of prosperity, and it destroys our joy, it wreaks havoc on our peace, and it influences, substantially influences and diminishes our testimony. Because what happens? What happens when we're over leveraged and under resourced? It affects us physically, right? We become become tired. It affects us emotionally and so we become relationally distant and disconnected. And so people's perception of of who we are is very different when we're in overload than it is when we have margin, right? Some of you, let's talk about how life is with with your spouse when you're able to take time away and have vacation, right? Day one is still rough. Day two is a little rough. By day three, you start to see that girl or that guy you married, right? And you go, I remember that person vaguely. I remember that person. But the crazy business of life robs us of our, our joy. And friends, it steals our identity. It absolutely steals our identity. And it's not what God had planned for you. If you look at, if you look at American architecture... Homes built before 1900 typically did not have a garage. Now, uh, a a very large home might have a carriage house. But they didn't have a garage, right? By the 1940s, we started building homes with a a one-car garage. Late 1960s, we started building homes with two car garages by the 1990s if your car if your house didn't have a three car garage something was wrong my parents and uh, my parents often watch re- via live stream and so dad i'm not picking on you please do not call me don't text me right now i'm in the middle of church but my parents have a two car garage a separate two car garage and they can most of the time get one car in one of those garage stalls. It's too much, Dad. It's just too much. We are more prosperous than any generation that has ever come before us. But we are less content than any generation ever has before us. We've made more medical advances than any generation before us, but we deal with more sickness than any generation that has ever come before us. 30 million people in America, with all the advances that we've made in technology, 30 million people in America are functionally illiterate. Why? Because we're living in this crazy society that is way too fast and we function with no margin. 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 Margin is having breath left at the end of the staircase. Money left at the end of the month. Sanity left after parenting teenagers. Marginless is the baby crying while the phone is ringing. Margin is grandma taking the baby for the afternoon. Marginless is being asked to carry a load 10 pounds heavier than what you're capable of carrying. Margin is having a friend coming and saying, let me take half of your load. Margin is not being able to finish the book that you've started to read five times over. Margin is being able to go back and review the book after you have read it. Marginless is fatigue, margin is energy, marginless is red ink, margin is black ink, marginless is hurry, margin is calm, marginless is anxiety, margin is security. Marginless, for so many of us, is reality. Margin is the remedy. Marginless is our current culture. Margin is Christ's culture. And we don't realize this, but, but the lack of margin and pain, they are interconnected. And God will not bring on you more than you can bear, friend. But God doesn't stop you from piling on yourself more and more and more and more and more. It's not the people, it's not me, it's the people around me. Really? L- listen, I'm, I'm going to help you. Ready? You, you might want to write this down. This is a great prescription. Everybody got your pen? No. <laughs> Did you get that? Let me do it. I, I know I went quick. Let me give it to you slow, more slowly. No. It's a powerful word. No. No. And, and and understand this. If I If I call you and say, hey, Is it possible that you're available to help with? I'm totally comfortable with you saying no. And if you say no to me, I'll come back and I'll ask for other things. It's not a one-shot opportunity with me. (laughs) And and I I want you to know this. I'm very comfortable with saying no. I believe this. I believe that one of the worst violators of this issue of margin and trampling over the Sabbath are people in my vocation. Pastors love to brag about how busy they are. I get together with with other pastors and they'll talk about, they'll go, man, I haven't had a day off in six weeks. I haven't had a day off in six months. I haven't had a day off in 42 years. I want to look at them and I I want to go, so what other of God's commands are you willing to trample on? Because this issue of the Sabbath, this issue of rest, it's a a biblical principle. It, It tells us this about Jesus, that Jesus often withdrew. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus, being in very nature God, that he often withdrew. I, I want to give, give you four words, okay, that I believe that is a prophetic word for you today. And it's, it, it's God's game plan to bring transformation in your life. Simplicity. contentment. Balance. Rest. Simplicity, contentment, balance, rest. It's interesting to me that Dave Ramsey and his SMART conference were here yesterday. And uh, I I was here for a little bit of it. I wasn't here for all of it. You know why I wasn't here for all of it? Because I don't have to do everything. And here's what I knew. I I came, I was here for for some of it. I left early in the afternoon because I knew that there were folks here yesterday to hear Dave Ramsey speak. I also knew this, that there were going to be folks here today that were going to be here to hear me speak. And a wise man speaks because he has something to say. A fool speaks because he has to say something. And I didn't want you to come and hear a fool today. So I wanted to go and just spend time with my notes and be, be ready for the day today. My son came home last night and he, he was sharing some of the things that, that he had learned from the week. Simplicity, contentment, balance, rest. I thought, way to go, Dave, way to preach my sermon before I get a chance to preach it. <laughs> Let the record show that my notes were written before Dave Ramsey and his band showed up here and took over our stage. Simplicity, contentment, balance, rest. Let's look at Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. I, 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 I truthfully, I marvel at this story. And it tells us this. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? I don't know if you've ever had a conversation like that with Jesus. I don't know if you've ever thought about having a conversation like that with with God. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a situation where you were angry at God because of the circumstances that you found yourself in. But that's where Mary's at. Jesus and his followers, they they are making their way from Galilee to Jerusalem. Actually, they're coming out of Jerusalem, and and they're going through Bethany, and Martha hearing about this, Martha invites Jesus to come to her home. Now, there are a few things that we can surmise about Martha based on this story. Number one is this, Martha is likely a widow. The reason we know Martha is likely a widow is because it said that Martha invites Jesus to her home. A a, A married woman in Jesus' day would not have done that. Okay, so Martha is not married. The fact that she owns her own home uh, means that she is likely she was married and she's a widow, and so uh, and she's she's a, a, a she's a widow of some means, because a widow to invite a, a large group like this to her home, obviously she's got some resource to be able to to be able to entertain them, right? So and. Uh, more than likely, this is not the first time that Martha has invited somebody to her home. This is her, this is the, the, I believe that this is one of those things that it would be her pattern. Uh, she is somebody who has been blessed. She loves to bless others. She has a heart to spend time with, connect with, entertain people. Martha is one of those individuals that you would love to have relationship with. Because Martha is a giver. Martha has, a, Martha has an inviting heart. She has the gift of Hospitality. And so it was easy for Jesus to say yes to Martha because the the invitation would have come with such warmth. And so Jesus and those following him come. They come to Martha's house. It must have been a good sized house because Jesus is there in the house and he's teaching in the house. And among those that are listening to Jesus is Mary, Martha's sister. So Jesus is there teaching. Now, who is Jesus? Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He's God incarnate, very God of very God. And Jesus is in her home. And Martha is off in another room working on preparations. All right? Jesus is teaching. This this powerful moment of having an audience with God Martha is in the other room, and she's preparing. And as she's preparing, she's getting more and more frustrated. She's getting more and more worried that it's not going to get done. She's becoming more and more upset. And here's what she does. She finally, she goes, I've had enough. I've had enough. And she goes in, Jesus, what's Jesus doing? Teaching, okay? And what does she do? She walks in, um, Lord, don't you care that I'm doing all this work by myself? There's a lot of stuff that's got to be done here. You need to tell my sister to come in and help me. She interrupts Jesus in the middle of his teaching. That's some pretty important stuff, don't you think? Why? Because she's freaking out because she got all worried and upset that the preparations... To properly host Jesus, weren't getting done, and so she goes and she interrupts her host, our or, or guest, as the hostess. She interrupts her guest and says, "Don't you care?" I, I love, I love, I love Jesus' response in this moment, Martha, 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 Martha. You're worried and upset about many things. You right, I'm up worried and upset. Do you understand, Martha? You're worried and upset about many things. But very few things are really important. For some of you, for someone here today, that is an epiphany word. That is a prophetic word. It's a statement that God brought you here to hear today. You are worried and upset about many things. Let me be candid. As a pastor, I've dealt with this a lot. I can't tell you how many times on Sunday, somebody will come up to me freaked out about this or concerned about that or or upset about this or or worried about that. And I will look at them and I will say this. I just want you to stop and breathe. Just breathe. Just, Just breathe. Let me tell you where you are. You're in God's presence because where two or more gather together in His name, He's there in the midst of them. You're in God's presence because He inhabits or He's enthroned on the praises of His people. So just stop for a moment and breathe that in. Stop for a moment and and take that in. Because what God wants to do is God wants to restore margin in your life to where you can live this abundant life that he's called you to. You can walk in the prosperity that he makes available to you. You can recognize that he will provide for your every need and there's nothing that can come against you that will destroy you. There's no weapon formed against you that can prosper and you can do everything that he's called you to do. We get confused because we misappropriate Scripture. Well, God will supply all of my needs. What about this, 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 and this? Friend, let's let's talk about whether or not we really need that. Because here's what I find. All too often what we do is we leverage ourselves spending money we don't have to buy things that we don't need to impress people we don't like. We just get sucked into it. And Martha, 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 you're, you're missing the moment. She's trying to do way too much. And she's, she's missing out on this. God moment that's happening in, in the other room. It, it tells us that in, in, in Luke chapter 10. But Martha was distracted. But Martha was distracted, I want you to say that word with me, distracted. Come on, distracted, one more time, distracted. Martha's not a bad person. She's a sweet woman, tender-hearted. She's a giver. But Martha in this story, Martha in this moment, Martha in this historical account, Martha has Jesus in her home, yet she has no joy. How about you, friend? Do you have Jesus in your home but have no joy? Let me say that again because I want it to sink in. Do you have Jesus in your home, but you have no joy? It's likely that you're not a bad person. It's quite probable that you're distracted. And that's where Martha is. She's she's distracted by all of the perceived preparations that need to be made. And, and that's, that's one of the consequences of, of living without margin. We, we become easily distracted. And, and, and when that happens, when we become easily distracted, notice, notice this. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? Martha feels very disconnected from everything that's happening. She's not a part of this God moment. She's not a a part of this amazing encounter with the Messiah. She's she's stuck in her own world. She's a prisoner of her own paradigm. And she's just, man, she's living in her in her frustration. She's living in her angst. She's living in this, in this hyper-emotional state. Why? Not because she's a bad person. But because she's allowed this distraction to create in her a disconnect. I see it on the faces of people who come and go from church all the time. They'll come in, and this is a part of your calendar, this is a part of your deal, but you come in, you hurried, rushed. you get here about, you get here about 17 minutes after church starts, right? It's one of the reasons why you like Calvary, because there's some available seats, and, and you come in, and you, and, 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 and you sit down, and as you're sitting down, you've got just three quick texts and two emails you need to take care of, and so you miss out on 90% of worship, Right? And, and then, as it gets close to noon, you start looking at your watch. You're like, I got to go, I got to go, because we got to get lunch, because I got to go. And, and you come and you, you experience the presence of God. And so, here's what it does it comforts you in the moment. And the experience for the time that you're here is good, but you leave unchanged. Martha appreciated the fact that Jesus was in her home. But Jesus could have come and gone, and Martha's unchanged. One of the greatest concerns that I have as a pastor is I believe this. I believe that the condition of the church today, and I'm not talking about Calvary. I'm talking about the American church Overall, that people love their church and they love the activity of the church, but we are failing to connect them with a living God. And so what happens is this, as long as a church provides some entertainment or some social connect or enough level of activity, all is good. But the moment that that's shifted at all, We'll drift from one church to another church or we'll drift out of church altogether because we find something else that can fill that activity need. And friends, let me offer this to you. If you come here for an activity, there's a lot better things to do in Orlando. Seriously. But what, what our coming together, what this fellowship, koinonia, what church, what it's supposed to be, Disney Universal, nobody can provide for you what this is supposed to provide. But those, those distractions, they can, they can cause us to, to disconnect. I have to tell you, as a... As a pastor, I wish, I wish we could have a bucket at the back door. And when you come in, you have to put your cell phone in the bucket. I was just thinking about how that would work, to be honest with you. Maybe not so much. <laughs> no, no, I came in with an iPhone. What, what, what is this, a flip phone? Who even carries a flip phone anymore? There's somebody here that does that I know, and I'm not going to point them out. But pray, pray for them. But here, here's what happens. So, so this disconnect, because we're designed to encourage one another and build each other up, because we're designed to spur one another on to good deeds and good words, or good deeds and good works, rather, the distractions in our life that cause us to disconnect relationally from one another and, and, and disconnect from God, what that does is it takes us down a pathway of discouragement. Right? We, we, find ourselves, we find ourselves discouraged. That, that's what Jesus said when, 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 when Martha comes in and says, Lord, don't you care? He says, Martha, you are worried. You're worried. And, and worry will wear us out much more quickly than work. It will. Worry will wear us out much more quickly than work. Martha, you are worried and upset. When, you're, when you live without margin, you will find yourself caught up in the distractions, which will cause you to disconnect, which will fuel discouragement, which inevitably will get you to a place of distress, where you are upset or you are freaking out. Or you are exploding. And, and here's, here's the sad part in that. Is typically when we find ourselves distressed, typically that is revealed to those that we trust. It's revealed to those that we know are going to be accepting of us. And so, who usually gets spewed on on all this emotional junk that we're collecting because we have no margin in our life? Our spouse, our family, our children, and we and we see it. Jody and I were were traveling this week, and. Uh, Thursday evening we landed back at the Orlando airport and there, there was a gentleman that was on our flight and he was actually seated, seated across the aisle from me. And, uh, and uh, I, I noticed him because he had a, he had a, a running shirt on. And he was uh, just very jovial and talking to the people around him, very nice to the flight attendant. We came down, got our luggage, and then we walked out together, and, uh, and, and there we were waiting for our rides. Jody and I for our ride, he, he for his, and his ride arrived first. It was his wife and two children. And immediately as she got out of the vehicle and was opening up the rear hatch of the vehicle, he immediately just exploded on her. And, and you can just hear her, hear him just, just biting at her as they're getting into the vehicle. And, and, and I, I, thought about, I thought about the level of stress that that woman must have felt as she was driving up and anticipating this exchange. I thought about what was being modeled to those children. And I thought, if only someone could give that man a timeout, right? Sir, you need to just stop and breathe. Here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that if you were to pull that man aside and say, say, sir, do you love your children more than life itself? Do you love your wife? Absolutely. You have a mighty strange way of showing it. But listen, ma'am, listen, sir. You sit here today, and I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to put you on blast. But your family, your friends, the people close to you, maybe you're here and you're a business owner and you're, you're, some of your most trusted employees, they get your outbursts as a result of of you being distressed because you're living this marginless life. It's not God's plan for you. Well, pastor, you don't understand. If I don't do this, people are counting on me and, oh, 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 wait, 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 stop. We're all familiar with the excuses. It's not God's plan for you. Well, if I, if, I, if I don't, if I can't do this, if I don't do this, then I, you know. I've got two mortgages and three car payments and I've got, you know what? Seriously, sell your car and get a bicycle. I, I'm, I'm dead serious. Here's the thing. Your parents, your grandparents, you know what they did? They saved up until they had money to get something and then they went and got it. And you're over-leveraged and you want to blame God for the stress in your life. Now, I've just gone from preaching to meddling, haven't I? These distractions, they, they cause us to disconnect and we become discouraged and distressed. Martha, you were worried and upset about many things. But only... A few things matter. How do, we, how do we restore margin in our life? I, I, I see it here in Luke chapter 10. Number one, we've got to come to terms with what matters. Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. But truthfully, only one thing is important. Come to terms with what matters. And then make an absolute commitment to the highest good. Mary has chosen what is better. Well, well, understand this, Jesus. If somebody doesn't cook this bread, there are not going to be snacks. Jesus said this, didn't ask for snacks. Didn't ask for snacks. You invited me to your home to spend some time with me. And here's what I'm doing. I'm giving you time. I'm asking for nothing in return. Well, a good hostess should. I'm not asking you to be in the role of a hostess. I'm encouraging you to come, stop, sit at my feet. Why? Who is before her? Before her is the man who took a little lad's lunch and fed 5,000 men plus women and children. He doesn't need Martha in the kitchen cooking. Right? He's got this. So have an understanding of that which is Truly important, that which truly matters. And commit to the highest good. And and then live in that. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Simplicity. Simplicity. Contentment, Balance, Rest, Simplicity, Contentment, Balance, Rest. Ma'am, your calendar is way too full. Sir you're chasing after that thing that you don't need Your life is way out of balance In your fatigue it's destroying the relationships around you it's robbing you of your joy it's skewing your perspective And you're not a bad person. But you are distracted. So it's time to stop. It's time to step back. It's time to breathe. And here's what you're going to find. It's in that stillness. It's in that Quietness, that you will once again hear the voice of God. You remember it. You remember those moments that you've had with God. You remember those experiences that, that shaped your life in days gone by. Encounters that impacted you and influenced those around you. For some of us, that's a long time ago. Here's what God is saying. I haven't changed. My plan hasn't changed. So I've brought you here today to bring you back to a place of simplicity. Contentment. Balance. And rest. You know my great fear for, not really fear, my um, My pause as it relates to our church is this. God has gifted us. He really has. There are a lot of people that aren't connected to Calvary. There are a lot of people that used to be connected to Calvary that they, they, um, they don't understand who we are or what we're doing. A lot of the world either thinks we're a mega church or they think we've closed our doors. Uh, And they don't, they don't, they don't, know or understand or appreciate the new calvary Uh, but we're an incredibly blessed church god continues to meet our needs we we have somewhere between 50 and 60 million dollars in assets and no debt that's really that's a pretty remarkable thing Uh, and it really it's 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 just a testimony of god's goodness and god's grace And, and we have all of this resource and it's easy to get lost in that it's easy to get lost in the activity. It's easy to get lost in the production. I was, uh, I was so glad when we had the opportunity to, to replace what we have with technology and, and replace it with these, these screens behind us. And uh, not looking to wow people or impress people, but, but I love them for the tools that they are. And, and, and I believe this. I believe that it's good for God's house to have the best tools possible to communicate the gospel. And, and even seeing things like for example the Dave Ramsey smart conference that was here yesterday them being able to come in and, and be all the tools necessary to to uh, to connect with a group of 5,000 people it, it was it was an honor to to be able to do that to be able to host that for you to be able to to come here on Sunday and, and to be able to to hear clearly and, and to be able to to be able to connect visually I believe that's a very good thing but It's real easy for the church to shift from ministry to production. The lights have to be right. The camera angles have to be perfect. But you know what? Around the world, they have have church and buildings ten times the size of this. That don't have cameras and don't have video screens, don't have air conditioning, much hotter than it is here. And God still shows up. So for those of us in leadership, we have to be careful that we're not distracted by the performance. But hold on. We're not the only ones that are responsible. Are you ready? It's real easy for you to come in and go, I don't like that song. That light just shined in my eyes. What is the deal with the smoke? Right? And you need to become frustrated and freaked out over this or that. And in the grand scheme of things, friend, does it really matter? You're worried and upset about many things. But only one thing matters. Well, what is that one thing? R- really. That should be the question that we we ask ourselves this morning. Jesus says this. You're worried and upset about many things. Only one thing matters. We don't have to wonder or guess what it is because he tells us Mary has chosen the better thing. Mary has chosen that one thing that matters. And what did Mary choose? She chose to sit at Jesus' feet. So here's the question that I ask, and I ask this question not as an indictment, but I ask it as an invitation. How long has it been since you have simply sat at Jesus' feet? It's time for you to hit the pause button on the business of life and create some margin, some white space in your life. My wife gave me this Bible in 1989. I cherish it. I'm, I'm a little concerned because it's, it's starting, to, starting to come apart. and I, I, I don't know what I'll do without it. Because there aren't many places you can turn in this Bible where there, there's not things in the margin. I, I, love, I love the white space in my Bible. You know why? Because I, as I'm reading, God begins to speak to me. Now, what I've written is not more important than what's written here, okay? God's words are what's important. But I love the fact that God just speaks over and over and over again. Page after page, when I give God opportunity, you know, here's what He does. He takes advantage of the white space. It's not just true in my Bible, it's it's true in my life. I know pastors that brag about how many times they preach in a year. I preach 50 out of 52 Sundays at my church. Well, we've got a Sunday night service, Wednesday night service, so I preach 147 times. I I want you to know that I'm endeavoring to preach less times here on Sunday morning this year. And here's the reason why, because I I wanna give God white space in my life to speak into my life. To where I have something worthwhile to say when, when I'm standing here hopefully being used by God to speak into your life. It's time for you to slow down. It's time for you to deal with the distractions. Those things that are causing you to become disconnected and and discouraged and leading you to a place of distress. It's time to connect with with what really matters and make a commitment to that. Make a commitment to the highest good and, and, then, and then continue to live in that. It's time to have margins.